0: If you have your Bibles, if you would turn it to Genesis chapter 22. But before we start there, if you were to write a story or you were to read a, a novel or watch a movie, some of the most successful stories in movies deal with conflict. The conflict may uh, be set in a Western town with the black hats and the white hats. And and there is that conflict between the good guys and the bad guys. And you're not certain whether the good guys will win or not. Or the setting may be more um, that there is a evil syndicate that's attempting to control the world or the country. And there's an agent or a secret agent who there comes and is in conflict trying to save the world from this syndicate. Or it may even be that there's an evil empire trying to control the entire universe and a few good people against all odds try to fight back against this evil empire to win and to for us all to have freedom. And we like those movies because in general, Generally, the movie's resolved for the good guys. Uh, my wife, particularly, there was a movie we watched where right off the front of the bat, they tell you the guy's going to die. And true to the movie, the guy dies at the end, and my wife goes, he died? I go, they told you that. They told you that, he, that they injected him with an incurable, un- there's no antidote, he's going to die but she's always having this positive things will work out. Me, on the other hand, while most people like action movies and that's where those types of things are set, I kind of like the more the internal conflict. So um, as an example, uh, Victor Hugo wrote a, a novel, a very large one, where some movies and some light operas were even generated. Uh, and one of the more external contexts, uh, con um, External opposition was legalism and Phariseeism versus forgiveness and redemption. But the one that particularly always catches my mind is the one where it is love on the one hand and duty on the other, and sometimes the two are not allowed. In this particular writing, the young man has to decide whether he's going to go escape with the love of his life, or he's going to go with his buddies to fight in the revolution and probably die. And he's caught between those two desires and who he is. And those types of internal conflict I enjoy where probably most of the world likes the shoot 'em up explosion things. And I enjoy that, but, but it gives me more food for thought about internal conflict because i'm probably not the guy in the white hat or the guy in the black hat probably not going to be the secret agent that you know of and i'm not going to be the the few people who are going to save the universe jesus already did that so not my problem he saved the universe i'm just here living in his world so those types of things and so today we're going to take a look at what is a true story a true narrative about a man who actually existed but he is going to have a conflict, and that conflict is not necessarily internal in the sense of love or duty. It's more, well, I'll, we'll get into that. I won't spoil the, the uh, middle. So in Genesis chapter 22, verse, starting with verse 1, it says this. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, which means to laugh, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So here we have this. And now I want to start off by saying God does not desire human sacrifice. God is not wanting us to offer our children to him. Notice that the key here is God tested Abraham. The point is not human sacrifice. The point is testing Abraham. And so the test is going to be on Isaac, who the promise existed for God said, I'm going to give you this land and I'm going to make you a blessing and everything's going to be wonderful. And Abraham's response was what good is that to me? Because I don't have anybody to pass it on. The only person I have is, is this servant, Eliezer and he's not a mine. So God says, I promise to give you a son and that son will reflect all the blessings and will those who bless him. I will bless and those who curse him, I will curse and all the kingdoms of the world we bless through him. And so he is the child of promise, but God is saying, I want you to take him and sacrifice him. Here's the conflict. God made a promise. And now God says, I'm requiring that promise from you. What does he do? What is, because if he does what God requires of him, then the promise of God is at jeopardy because Isaac will be no more. And I want you to understand, because we don't, a burnt offering is not simply something that you kill the the offering and then i go a burnt offering means you burn it up so isaac and his offering is not only going to die but he's going to be in ashes that's the requirement so let's see what abraham's response is verse three so abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and isaac his son and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. So you see that Abraham, Abraham makes immediate plans to do what God has asked him to do. He makes the wood, he splits it so that he can have this pyre that to place Isaac on and to burn him after he sacrifices. And he does it and he makes provisions and he goes. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Now I want you to to see something. It took three days. Abraham had a lot of time to think about this. Abraham had a lot of time to say, you know, God, you promised me this boy. I'm turning around and going home because let's face it. The more time we have to do something, we usually lack courage and stop. But Abraham in three days continues on. The three days is not inconsequential. it kind of points us to something, but we see that Abraham, but the other thing we notice is there's no internal dialogue. There's no dialogue at all. We don't hear about what Abraham is thinking during these three days. And part of the reason I don't think we understand uh, that, that are, we're told is because all of us probably know how Abraham is feeling. You expect your children to bury you, not to bury your children. You don't expect to offer your child to God. And Abraham, I'm sure, is going, wait a minute, my world's kind of upside down here. Because I w- God told me at the age of 75 to move. I move. God told me he would bless me. He blessed me. He told me he would give some land, but he told me it will be about 400 years before I see it. But then at the age of 100, I had the child of promise. And now God wants me to take that child's life. So we can imagine what he says and what he thinks and what he feels. Because even though we're not perfect fathers, we have our perfect parents. We understand the love of a child. And that this child was a child of promise. And this child was one of laughter and celebration and joy. And now he's going to be sacrificed. But notice Abraham says, the lad and I are going to worship. Abraham is saying, I value God more than the promise. And that I'm going to worship him by not withholding from him anything, even the child of promise. God is that much worthy of my submission. I will worship him because there's nothing greater than God. Not even the promise. And so he goes and he worships. And God says, I'm to, I want you to go through this mountain range, and there's a particular mountain on which I want you to offer. Now, I believe that that mountain that he's going to climb up with the lad and offer the sacrifice was what we now call Mount Calvary. God is showing Abraham exactly what God is going to be doing in the future. And so I believe that Abraham and Isaac are walking up Mount Calvary together to worship. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. Now, again, here's a picture. Just as Jesus took his cross, the wood, and carried it up Mount Calvary, we see Isaac doing the same thing and isaac is the son of the promise god abraham's only son and later in the centuries to come god will offer his only begotten son on that mountain and isaac spoke to abraham his father and said my father and he said here i am my son and he said behold the fire and the wood but where is the lamb for the burnt offering now again i want you to understand something this is before this is 400 plus years before the law and yet abraham and his son knows exactly what a burnt offering is they didn't have the law they have been told i believe since adam and eve in the sacrifice in the garden when they were cast out exactly what worship was in a burnt offering and so it, isaac's going okay I, I see the the wood and I see the fire that's going to consume it, but where's the sacrifice? We're missing that. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Now I want you again to see something. I don't believe, and, and the scriptures will bear this out, that Abraham ever thought, that Isaac was not going to die, that Isaac was the burnt offering. He didn't say that God is going to provide for us a lamb and substitute for you. He says God himself will provide the lamb and God himself did. His name is Jesus, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So God will do what Abraham prophesied, that God himself will provide for himself, the lamb for the burnt offering. So they kept going. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now I want you to understand something. This required two submissive people. Abraham, who's going to now sacrifice his son, his only son, but Isaac submits to it. He binds the, the boy. There's nothing that indicates that Isaac ever rebels, that Isaac ever, wait, wait a minute, I'm, I'm not participating. He allows Isaac to be, Abraham to bind him and then to be placed upon the burnt offering. Isaac does this willingly, just as Jesus willingly came suffered and died for us the picture here is so clear but yet what we are seeing in Abraham is a conflict between what God promised and what God required God said he's going to promise me he's going to bless me all of my descendants will become from him but I'm supposed to kill him and burn him up And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now I want you to understand, Isaac, as far as Abraham was concerned, was as good as dead. He's known it for these three days. He's known it since he started walking up the hill. He's known it when he bound his son and placed him on the wood. And now all that was left was to do what God had required, which was to slay his son, and set the altar on fire. So he extends his knife. To slay his son. But at one of those beautiful butts. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. And said Abraham Abraham. And he said here I am. Notice his response. To this call. the exact same response as when God said. The test. Abraham he goes here I am. What do you want, God? And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad for and do no, nothing to, to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. God says, you passed the test. You were willing to sacrifice the promise to do what I told you to do. He trusted God more than the circumstances. He trusted what God required of him more than what God promised him. And all too often there's so many believers and so many Christians who want to claim the promise but not follow what God wants us to do. Well, God has a wonderful plan for my life. Well, that wonderful plan for your life might be to suffer for him. You trust God, not the circumstances. And that's exactly what Abraham does. And Abraham was probably a contemporary...